Next Generation Leadership, Episode 7. Seven. Can you believe that, Bruce? We're just like moving up. (laughs) Rocking and rolling. And we started bi-weekly. Now we're weekly. Yes, weekly. In-betweens is just you and I, and then bi-weekly is special guests. So Yeah. And we got a big one today, but I do want to say, uh, by the way, Bruce Wirt, Mike Rosales, Peterson, and uh, I do want to say thank you to uh, the thousands of people who have come upon this podcast, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, wherever you like to listen to your podcast. We uh, register the listen and um, YouTube is available too. just subscribe to Telesystem. If you're a competitor and that hurts your soul, then just don't do that and go <laughs> and find the audio version only. But we really appreciate it. We love all of the love. Love. If yes. you could just send some of that love to the iTunes store and just do a little rating. Yeah, um, give us a little like. We'll appreciate that. It doesn't take too much to give a little goodness, right? Just give us a little like. I mean, for all of the listeners that we have, verified listeners, um, I think that we deserve more than two ratings. Even if you don't like it, I mean, just give us three stars then. Yes. Just, just no, 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 no. Not three stars. All no. Right. Four? No. It's like NPS where you throw out the, okay. (laughs) We have so much fun. Uh, Listen, go back last week. I spent um, a very healing 30 minutes talking about my distaste for LinkedIn spammers. And if, especially if you are a LinkedIn spammer or that's one of your tactics, go listen to it because yeah, I'll yeah. teach you how to get to people like me and uh, Janet Shines, who we're going to talk to in uh, a second. Yeah. And I'm sure Janet has some advice there, but tell us who our guest is today, Mike. Well, I'm, you I'm already mentioned that. it. <laughs> Sorry, Janet Shines. She, we have her on next. She is an award-winning powerhouse in the IT space. She is the CEO of JS Group, former C-suite, C-suite. <laughs> and tongue-tied, of Bryson, Motorola, Office Depot. She is a absolute amazing woman. And we're going to pick her brain in a bit. She's a superstar. She's a rock star, like we say in the channel. Yeah. And she's uh, she's been a big um, supporter of women in business and yeah. helping other women to rise minorities. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's my my passion. You know that. Uh, very yeah, well, that Micah. is that is your passion for sure. And uh, so I am so excited to talk to her. I haven't lived, you know, I always, I'm always careful to say I'm, I'm just a regular, I'm a white guy. So I haven't lived at these challenges, but um, I've been around these challenges and, and I've developed a passion to try to help people overcome any way that I can give back. Thank and, you for being and, that person again, Bruce. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's in my soul. It is. So, so uh, we'll come back. Uh, we'll do, go to a quick commercial. This uh, podcast is brought to you with limited commercial interruption exclusively from Telesystem. We are looking for some more sponsors, right, Micah? Yes, we are looking for sponsors. If you're interested, please reach out to us at podcast at Telesystem without an S dot US, not dot com. It won't get to us. So make yes. sure you reach out to us. We will Love to talk to you and see how we can work together. There is no S in Telesystem. So uh, thanks to our friends at Telesystem who allow us to bring this to you every single week. So we're going to ask you to listen to this 30-second commercial, and we'll be back with Janet Shines. In a world where businesses are striving to adapt, connect, and evolve, we're here to bring you more. More freedom to work how and where you want while keeping employees connected, productive, and engaged. More flexibility to customize solutions to tailor a simple, more agile network. And more security 
for an evolving cyber landscape with around-the-clock access to hands-on technical support. It's time to explore more. All right, welcome back, everybody. Next Generation Leadership, Bruce Fort, Micah Rosales, Peterson, and Micah, we have an A-list guest with us this week. She is a powerhouse indeed. Janet Shines, and she's an award winner, a C-level, sweet, amazing woman. I, I just want to give her a hug virtually. Yeah. I wish we were in person. <laughs> yes, I wish we were in person. I just need a hug right now. At this point, I'm going to be running up to people inappropriately hugging them at the first event I go to. It's just going to be what it is. And then so. you have Dr. Fauci say, no, 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 wait with the hugs. No, no hugging. No right? hugs, no, no handshakes. Some, some kind of hug monster. Yeah, COVID's so. okay, but now you're going to get the flu. Back off. <laughs> <laughs> That is so, so true. Well, Janet, thank you so much for being on. We appreciate you so much. And I know that you're such a powerhouse. You've been in so many recognized companies as a C-level executive. So I want to know that journey. Like how, how did you even get into the IT tech industry? And, you know, just, just tell us a little bit about that. All right. So true story. I went to school for finance. I particularly went to the university I went to to study to do uh, euro bond trading and euro dollar trading. And then I went to work in the financial industry for about three days. And my, I was always a geek, by the way. And my boss said to me, I've got really great news for you. Um, you have an interview at L'Oreal Cosmetics at one o'clock. And I was like, why? He's like, because you're not fitting in here. You need to go somewhere else. And so I went there and in the interview process, realized that all these just stunningly gorgeous girls, because up until that time, I thought it was okay looking. And then like you're in a room at L'Oreal Cosmetics, you're like, I am so short and not that attractive. Oh, um, but none of them could uh, understand the technology. None of them really understood the impact um, of what technology was doing. And so that started my career was just outplaying those people, not because I had a finance degree, but because, you know, I had built my first computer, you know, in my teens and I had always had a computer and a, you know, big collection of Star Wars toys. We can talk about that later. Um, but that geekiness helped me. And so I went into L'Oreal. And a very nice career there. They're owned by Nestle. So I got to move around to a couple of different brands, uh, Sandoz and others. And then I had kids. And that gets tough, commuting to New York City, trying to raise kids. And so I was helping IBM uh, position uh, a solution they had, kind of early internet stuff and um, e-commerce. And their presentation was awful. So I fixed it and they got the, you know, the big deal from Sandoz and the IBM VP said, could you do this for us for like 10 more deals? And I said, sorry, I work here. And he said, wait, you're not a consultant? No. So he said, how about you be a consultant? And so I did. And I started my own company. And then, you know, fast forward that about a decade um, from then, I was doing work for big companies, Intel, mm -hmm. uh, Microsoft, NVIDIA, um, and a company called Symbol, which ultimately was bought by Motorola. And in the part of that acquisition, the CEO said to me, you need to come in. Like, you need to stop this consulting. We need to buy your company and you need to come in and run the channel for, uh, for Motorola and Symbol. And, and so I did. 
Yeah. Um, and that's how I got back into corporate America, yeah. um, did a, a number of increasingly larger and larger jobs, um, Verizon as the chief channel executive, as the chief marketing technologist, ultimately Office Depot, EVP, uh, you know, one of the top five folks running a 50,000 person fortune, you know, 100 company you, and, girl. and said, yeah, and then said, I really miss being an entrepreneur. Uh, and I think I was always successful in that climb to the C-suite because I had been an entrepreneur and I thought differently, right? So um, I made a conscious decision a few years ago that I was going to step back out, uh, come back to being an entrepreneur and reopen JS Group to do channel consulting, marketing evolution, sales evolution. Haven't looked back, having the time of my life again. Um, and I think, you know, that long-winded story goes to say it doesn't matter what you went to school for doesn't matter what somebody decided your career was you just have to go back to it figure out something you love and just use it to propel yourself forward purpose passion perseverance positivity pliability that's the five that is so good that's that's that is. Have, um, bruce's fun love that foundation yeah. i have to I have to add an S, sense of humor. Sense of uh, humor. Yes. All good leaders have a good sense of humor because if you can't just crack up about stuff, then you know, you're going to be a nervous wreck. So, um, so I got to, um, so on the journey, you, you obviously had a major stop at Verizon. And so when I came up in the industry, it was, um, I started in the late nineties and that was the time when you sold by selling people selling, uh, we would take your Verizon phone bill and we would save you 10% and, and off you go with the next sale and over and over and over again until we raced all the way to the bottom and, and we're in this massive consolidation. Um, you turned Verizon into the opposite. Um, Verizon actually developed a channel program and they said, we want to compete for that same business that the Celex are competing for and yeah. pay commission. And that was a big change because that's why a lot of Celex existed because Verizon and AT&T and Comcast weren't paying. And I think, I think you changed the game, not just for Verizon, but I don't think Comcast or AT&T would be as invested in the channel if you didn't do what you did. So tell us about Pioneer. the mindset and mentality that you encountered and how you changed the game. You changed so, the game. Changed the game. I love that. And I, I still have uh, people that tease me and tell me they should name their boat after me. Um, because they managed to make money uh, as an agenterist or a master agent. So, um, so here's what I will tell you. I was a channel believer from way back. That IBM conversation at L'Oreal was an IBM partner with an IBM sales rep. I saw what they could do. I saw how complex technology was becoming. There was no such thing as a single threaded solution. I was a geek, so I was playing with all the cloud computing. And so when I was at Motorola, Motorola Symbol, had a very strong channel, the VAR channel, right? The reseller channel. Yeah. So when Verizon very nicely told Motorola how much they'd enjoy having me there and that they should let me out of my contract um, because, you know, uh, they were friends. Uh, and remember when this is happening, Verizon does not yet have the iPhone. So Motorola and Verizon really are friends. Okay. Right. Yeah. So uh, I'm coming in to lead business solutions. And I'm in my first meeting with John Stratton, who is just amazing, uh, now the executive chairman of Frontier. Um, and Stratton says to me, well, what are you gonna do? And I said, go to the channel, that's the play. 
the play is the channel. And this is early in those days of quote unquote machine to machine IoT, right? right. Um, and so we came up with this, you know, we cooked, cooked up this half brain scheme that we were just going to certify every single device we could find that was out there. And some of those devices, by the way, were Uber devices and alarm.com devices and other devices that ended up being millions and millions of devices. But the only way you find those is to let every channel partner bring their solution to the network. So we do that. It's successful. Now John goes to lead business all in for Verizon. And of course I'm going with him, right? I'm a Stratonista, uh, as I like to call it. Like, and I, he's, like, like me being a Brucenista. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I right? follow him thing. wherever he goes. Right. It's a thing. This guy who's bigger than life. So <laughs> we go over there and like, I'm going to do the channel. So I'm sitting in a meeting my first day and I'm talking to these like old telco guys. I'm just going to call it what it was. Okay. And they're telling me about what their channel looks like. And I say, physically, I say, okay, stop goofing around because there's no channel in the world that would accept that. There's just no way. There's no way you could be that bad of a partner and they'd still be buying from you. Well, they do it reluctantly was the answer. And I said, well, well, we can't accept that. Like reluctant partners. They're like, no, 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 no. These guys are, you know, know, they're, they're just trash talking the channel. And, you know, I just said, well, uh, no, I'm sorry. That's not what we're going to do. So we're going to change it. I'm at the channel partner event in Vegas, like three weeks later, physically having to chase partners down the hall to see if they'll (laughs) talk to me. Right. So me, like beloved channel in the wireless industry between Symbol, Motorola, the Verizon wireless side is now like, people want to spit at me like what is happening so i just listened to the partners i just said like what's it going to take what would it look like explain to me what you're trying to do i'll explain to you what we're trying to do and all of a sudden it took on it took on right we we started catching fire and we started catching fire the minute we started treating the partners like they were one of our own Hmm. that they were at the table that they were they had a president's club just like our direct team did they would be paid on a deal because they were involved in it, just like our direct team did. And that when they said something, we believed them, just like we would believe our own direct team. And so it start, really did start to take off. And it was, it was magnificent. And it clearly wasn't me. It was the whole team. I had a truly talented group of folks, Lori Bonifant, who we just lost here a few weeks ago after a battle with cancer, right? A phenomenal woman. Yeah, Jake Hoblins, who's now at um, Amazon, yeah. running all their verticals, man's a genius. Um, you know, Joe Chisano, who's running government now. All of these cast of characters came together and just said, let's bend at the knees, let's do it. Um, and look what happened. I mean, the industry transformed all the regional CLECs. I mean, I, I say that it was the death of the regional CLEC, 2010, 2011, because when the big companies jumped in, they all had to consolidate and, and right. uh, Paytech, then Windstream and Earthlink. And um, now the industry is completely different. Spreadsheet selling completely is dead. Different. And it's all about selling applications. And- it is. You know, Janet and and Mike, I know you got a list of no, things. I just want to parlay into this because there's a lot of people, and we talked a lot with Reggie Scales last week at Vonage huh. about yeah. spreadsheet sellers that were very successful in the 90s and early 2000s, and now they um, they have six month stops on their resume because they're they're not adjusting to what the market right. is. They're living off of that success. What do you say to somebody like that when they 
meet you at a show and they say, listen, you know how successful I was back in 2002. Why is it tough for me? Yeah. And, you know, I always say the, the biggest gift you have as a leader is the ability to just laugh at yourself in the mirror and say, well, that was stupid. I don't know why I did that. Or I don't know why I stuck with that. Right. And then to listen to what other people that are successful are doing. And so I typically will say to them, come here, I want you to meet somebody. And I'll go introduce them to people that get it. Right, whether it's Mike Onestock at TBI, yeah. uh, Micah Bevitz at, at iTelecom, Amy Bailey at Tolores, right? There's just some people who you're like, they awesome. get it. They get it. Right? They get it. So just bring them on over here. And if they're an MSP or a VAR, have them talk to Amy Babinchak, right? Have them talk to Scott Sanders, have them talk to people that get it. Uh, and, and the minute you start talking to people who get it, who say, hey, dude, put the spreadsheet away. You got to get clients and talk to them about their digital transformation, about how they're managing their business as a technology, and then therefore what technology they actually need to do that. That's when you're going to flip it. And the sad part about it is many of those, you know, people formerly known as successful partners still have a huge book of people that they know. Then not only that they know, but that know and love them. And so they still can get in those companies. They just have to change that sales approach. And, you know, that's really become, I can almost call the winners and the losers now by the folks that are unwilling to change the sales approach. Like, no, that's never going to work. And and I always tell them really, because there's like 10 people doing it right now, kicking your butt. So (laughs) you want to do it or not do it. It's, It's fine with me. If you don't need another yacht, you know, if you don't want to pay for the yacht you bought, you got in the early and mid and late 2000s, then that's fine. If you've got all the money you want, don't need to crunch anymore. Or that house Nobody that ever says yes to that. <laughs> that house yeah, that you no, bought in 2007 that you have to come to the table with a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, right. the one you bought on the interest only loan because yeah. you thought things were going to go well forever. Right. Um, so, yeah, so the, I mean, and I do see a lot of that. I see a lot of retread. Um, and, you know, it really comes down to, are you willing to work with new kinds of people, work on new kinds of solutions and just ultimately challenge your own success? Yeah, that's so good. I love it. Now, um, I'm going to ask you this question because you were talking a little bit about it when I, I asked you initially, um, being a mom and rising to the sea level being a mom is a job in itself, you know, yes, and sometimes it people give up their careers just to focus on that because, you know, it's difficult. Yeah. How were you able to maneuver both? Well, I definitely pivoted for me my- too, because I, I, I need it. <laughs> I love it. I was definitely, I uh, had to pivot. So that was part of why I started my own company, right? I was mm-hmm. missing things. I had that just continual, every mom listening will understand what I mean. That continual feeling that you weren't good well, enough yeah, mom, you weren't good enough at work because you were worried about the kids. You weren't good enough at home because you were worried about work. That constant pounding feeling in your chest that was like, oh, um, at all times. And so that was part of why I became an entrepreneur. Um, but what I will tell you, and I'm going to fast forward here and then come back on this. So yeah. I have two children. My children are uh, productive adults now, uh, both with advanced degrees. My daughter has a PhD. My son has an MBA. Um, they're both. 
Oh. Yeah, they're oh both very successful, um, very successful, and they both do very well. And so, and they're off the payroll. They both pay for themselves, which is the true testimony of parental success. Um, Clapping for you, Mama. Thank you. You want to know something sad, Janet? Is that we're probably not that far apart in age, and I have a one and a two year old. <laughs> I start, I was going to say, I was going to, that's why I said like, so I'm going to fast forward here. Now I'm going to come back to start your own consulting firm in your twenties because you have kids and you, you know, you can't keep up, you can't do it. You're hysterical. And by the way, you don't have the money. Yeah. Your peers who are climbing the, the track do because they waited till they were 40 mm-hmm. or at least late thirties to have their kid. Right. And so here you were early in your career, not not a lot of money, two kids hauling into the city, like no nanny. They're all like, oh, well, the nanny's going to take them. Just have the nanny take them. Like, what is that? I'm paying 10 bucks for every minute I'm late when I'm late picking them up at the childcare. Like, what 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 nanny? Um, And so you know, I really did have to adjust my my career to it. But it was really interesting. My dad retired and did it with me. And so it was he and I, my first employee, who, by the way, is back with me now in JS Group 2.0, was half nanny, half office manager. Um, And, you know, it was just all about the flexibility. And ultimately, the kids, my daughter just said the other day, she doesn't know what the girls whose moms didn't work, you know, talk to their moms about once they start working. So um, that's a good thing. But I, I always tell people it came down to three, the three things I believe every mom should do. So the one is you have to stop making reasons for why you're not going to be at work or leaving work. So like difference between a guy and a woman. Guy, I got to leave at five. End of story. Woman, I got to leave at five. You see, my kid has this play. Now, here's you the thing, though. I will be right. I'll be in contact the whole time. My phone will be on me. If you need me, I can step out. I'll be back at my desk at 6.15, maybe 6.30. So you start to think like, why is she doing that? Does she have some kind of performance problem? Because she should just say, look, I'm going to be out of five today. Yeah. Not, not really. So the first thing is stop making excuses for when you want to spend personal time with your family. Mm-hmm. I think COVID has helped with that, by the way. I think we've had a progression there. Yeah. Um, two, your family's got to understand how important your career is. My kids always understood, look, this is important too. And not just because of the money, but because mom's actually a person too. Um, And you're not the only thing that matters. Uh, You matter a lot, but you're not the only thing that matters. And the third thing is you really need to surround yourself with a tribe, both at work and personally, who can help when you need that help emotionally, physically, pick the kid up from school, whatever it might be. My tribe got me through. Um, And I always tell this story to kind of wrap this up about my tribe. So I'm at Verizon. I've got the beautiful corner office, right? I've made, you know, corporate vice president. I'm making great money. Uh, My friends don't really know that. That's not who they know. Right. They know the Janet who just works at Verizon. And one of my friends comes to see her nephew who was there interning. And she says, oh, I want to stop by and see my friend Janet Shines. Do you know where she is? And he gets this super uncomfortable thing. Right. And he's like, where does she sit? And he's like, I can't go there. She's like, what are you talking about? He's like, elevator with the two codes in the lock. Go there. Right. She's like, what? And he's like, I don't think we can go into her office. So she's like, are you kidding me? She calls my cell. Where are you? I'm like, hang on. I'll have my secretary come get you. She's like, I'm your what? Who what? So she comes, she walks in my my office and goes, what the hell? Like, just like that. Like, what the hell? I I work at Verizon. 
Yeah. Not she's like, inside. she's like, what is this? Is this your boss's office? I'm like, no, it's my office. She's like, okay, we're going to talk about this this weekend. So like, <laughs> but to me, that was a good thing that people in my personal life didn't realize that I, that that's what it was. I just was yeah. somebody just like them who also worked hard. I just was more blessed. I just got luckier. Yeah. Um, and that is how I look at it. Humility. Yeah, I, got, I, I, I was very blessed. I, um, I totally believe in, like, I don't talk about my, my, my wife yells at me all the time. Um, I don't celebrate my successes. Uh, I'm not like posting everything that I do. I, I was, I was really honored to get the CRN, um, award and I put that up, but I generally don't like to do that because I don't want that to be who people see me as. Um, I want that life to be separate and, just going back to what you said about living life, and I teach my employees this, you have to have a personal life. You cannot come to work just to identify with your career here. That's and right. if you do that, you will be susceptible to burnout um, right. faster than you want. And you yeah. will probably end up um, with some diseases along the way that you don't want. So take I your vacation, agree. take your vacation, but upstairs, right? This pandemic, we all learned boundaries. Um, everybody knows that when dad closes the basement door, right? Because this is where I am nowadays. Um, <laughs> this is, we don't interrupt and unless, uh, you know, unless we, we are all okay with it and right, right. boundaries, but, but family is important and cannot be dismissed. And it doesn't matter if you're a man, woman, whatever race, race, ethnicity, um, family right. is first and it has yep. to matter. It has to matter. And by the way, many women, men as well, but many women um, get squeezed between the kids and the parents too, right? The elderly yeah. parents needing help. And I, I faced that too. Thankfully, my kids were older when that happened, but um, you know, there's just, you have to be there in, in yeah. that minute that matters. And I think the guilt that many, many women, and I'm seeing more and more now men as they're home working for COVID are starting to experience that same guilt, you know, yeah. that guilt for saying, Hey, I got to work. Um, and I don't necessarily think, I don't get me wrong. I'm not advocating that you should, you know, ignore your children, but I don't think that your kids being told, Hey, I have to work and you need to like go read a book, um, is the worst thing ever. And neither is your kindergartner failing art, the worst thing ever. Like someone was breaking down to me the other day, a mom saying, Oh my God. And the kindergarten teacher said she's like turning things in. And I said, tell the <laughs> kindergarten teacher, get over herself. It's kindergarten. Yeah. You may not do some of the assignments. Yeah. You'll do the ones that are important when you get to it and to please enjoy her time home in her apartment with no children while you try to work and teach yours and just tell her, no, I'm not turning it in. And she called me back and said, oh my God, I told her that. And she said, ooh, do you think I'm giving them too much work? And I said, yes. And she said, <laughs> I'll stop then. I thought the parents would be upset if I didn't give them a ton of work. So I think you just have to lean in sometimes to it. I hate to use that term, but you just have to lean in sometimes to it and say, listen, let's stop the crazy here. Yeah. August is going to do the best we can. Right. When you're hiring Janet, how, how much do you value uh, education over life experience? I like, I always think about the time that I failed badminton in high school and my dad had to come to the school and, um, 
you know, everybody's like, well, why did you do it? And I'm like, obviously I'm just not good at badminton, but let's play baseball. Um, <laughs> and, and to me, that's a stupid thing. And, and I always talk about, I was never, you know, I was a C student in college, graduated uh, with like a 272 and look at me now, mom. And uh, I, making mama I, proud. When that's I right. hire, I mean, there's some places that want the top recruits from Yale uh, for all of their their right. uh, employees. And I look for this mix of, I want you to go to school. I want you to finish, but I'm also looking at your life experience, your life experience. You know, you might've had a hard upbringing like I did, um, where right. you, you grew up poor, you overcame a lot and, and also jobs that you had, and it could have been lessons you learned working in a warehouse, but how do you value those sorts of things balanced against education when you're hiring? You know, it's so funny. Um, I think education is that thing when you're younger that you kind of need to do to fit in. Yeah. Right. Kind of like the driver's test of corporate America. Mm -hmm. um, could you pass the college degree? Right. That's the test. Yeah. Um, it's the degree does absolutely nothing for you because it doesn't teach you any life skills at perseverance. all. Perseverance. Not at all. <laughs> right. Maybe perseverance. I'll give you that, but certainly not how to balance a checkbook or make a decent <laughs> meal. Um, all of which become much more important than is that a right triangle or an right. isosceles? Um, <laughs> not good at math. Um, so, you know, I really look at the full person. And I'm much more impressed by somebody who's been aggressive enough to hunt me down and yeah. position themselves for the, the opportunity and has ideas yeah. for how they can help versus the person who has went, you know, to the, the higher education school. So I'll tell a story about this to illustrate this. So here I am at Verizon. I went to Montclair State University, which if you know anything about colleges, it is not Ivy League. It is in New Jersey. Uh, I was raised uh, with not a lot of money. My dad's Native American Indian. Um, you know, we did not have a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, my mom had to work because my dad also had polio because people still caught polio on the reservation when he was a child. So, um, you know, here I am at Verizon, fast forward, everybody's cheering for the interns um, who are from, you know, you pick your place, you know, um, you know, Harvard, Yale, Penn, right? And one intern out of the hundred interns was from Montclair State University because I had picked the person, right? So I was like, Montclair, right? So I'm like, you know, in the auditorium as the top hundred of the company are cheering the interns on and everybody's like, what in the world? She killed it. She was so much better than the other interns because she wanted it. So the next year we went on a very purposeful recruit to try to get kids from the state schools. And there was this event and there was a group of kids there from the great schools and a group of kids there from the state schools. And the boxes didn't turn up. And the grade school kids kind of checked out. One of them called his dad to complain that there was nothing there and they didn't know what they were going to do. The state school kids went to Walgreens and bought a couple toys and a tablecloth and they sat on their computer and made a sign that they thought looked pretty good and had it printed and did the best they could right? They did the best they could. So you got there and on one side of the thing was just the kids were gone. They were like, well, nothing showed up. So I went home. Um, on the other side were these kids who were like, we did the best we could. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we made a sign. We got a tablecloth. We got some candy. We thought candy was good. People want a piece of candy, right? So we had candy. So right. what do you think? You know, and I said, this taught me everything about the difference between passion mm -hmm. and motivation and wanting it 
and somebody handing it to you. Now, that's not to say that there's not children at those really great schools that have that same motivation, but there is a sense of entitlement that there comes is. with advanced education that isn't always a positive thing. Right. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And it just goes hand in hand with grit right? Yes. To work with for what you want, that grit and just being bold, which has been my word for 2021 has been bold, have your grit and just go after anything that you want without any reservations. And that kind of leads me to my next question for you. Um, What can other leaders do to get to where you are right now? Because I know it's a mixture of perseverance, grit, you know, from hearing your story, what can, what can other leaders that are listening right now that want to be like Janet, what can they do? I want to be like Janet. I oh, I love that. Like oh, I, like, I like it. I was going to say a lot. Um, the first thing is you have to be motivated, right? You have to find your motivation. Mine was money. I'm going to be totally transparent about it. I started noticing Nothing that there was- Nothing to be wrong groups. with that. <laughs> right. By the way, women so frequently don't talk about money and that's a mistake. So I I noticed that there was groups of people that made more money and and my life was defined when I was younger by not having money, right? By the things that we couldn't do. We lived in a decent town, but I couldn't go to the schools those kids went to. And I I wasn't necessarily accepted because my dad was Native American, right? So in fact, my grandmother used to remind him to not tell people that before we would have every party, don't, you don't need to tell people, you know, some of these people don't know. So it was like, like a negative, very negative terrible. thing. Yeah. yeah horrible. Uh, hide your heritage. Um, and, you know, and hear about, you know, well, it's great because Janet looks like she could pass mm-hmm. um, and have people question why your eyes look different. Like, Oh, you have different eyes than everybody else does mm-hmm. and, and not tell why. Right. And so that was like that background was if I could find a way to make money, it could solve a lot of ills. And so it was a motivation for me. And and I think that whatever your motivation might be, maybe you want to be in control. Maybe you want to change your industry. Maybe you want to change your world. Maybe you just want to make money. Um, (laughs) You have to be very intentional and write your plan down and be almost crazily optimistic. I remember I told a bunch of my friends in college, oh, no. I'll be in the C-suite. I'm going to do it. And they're looking at me like, dude, you barely got out of high school alive. Like, how are you going to do that? And I did well in college, but not well enough to make you think I'd be where I was now. But it came down to whenever I hit an obstacle, my motivation was still there. Mm -hmm. My motivation was there to say, hang on, don't quit. Because boy, there's a lot of times you could have quit. Right? Don't quit. Don't give in. And also... You know, the second thing I would say is understand whether or not you're ready for the sacrifice. I've gotten on planes on Father's Day. Um, the, you know, the day my mother died, I was able to hold her hand until she passed. And I had to get in my car because I had to be on a plane because I'd already been out five days and there was no more time to be out. Right. So I went back to work hours after my mom passed I'm away. Sorry for that. I've also lost uh, my dad too, so I get. You do know. Yeah, you do know. When my sister passed away, same thing. The board meeting was the next day. And I remember my dad saying to me, well, honey, she's dead. She won't know you're not here till the day after. Just stick it out. And me sobbing, right? Sobbing, but board meeting, you know, and it was true. She wasn't like she was, you know, God, of course, if I could have said goodbye, you would be on the first plane, right? But 
these are the, the sacrifices sometimes people don't see. They see the nice house or they see the great title and they don't see the times that you had to say, I can't come, the kid's sick and I can't come. Yeah. You, you know, those are the sacrifices you make. Those are the, the, the decisions you have to make along the way and they're not always easy. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I was very thankfully grateful. I was there for all the big things in my parents and my children's lives, but there was a lot of sacrifice along the way and, and my family understood it. And so that's what I would say to somebody trying to go to the top, know your motivation and understand your sacrifices. I I think that is something that, that should be accented for every, for anybody that is um, aspiring to get to the next level or wondering what it takes to stay at that level. um, You have to be prepared to sacrifice some things and you have to understand that um, I think there's some people that would say, well, it's not fair that that board meeting couldn't have been pushed back. And those things are not going to wait for you. And nope. the people that go and, and work around it are the people that are going to rise up. And I, I say this to salespeople all the time when they want to take some time off and they don't plan on who's going to handle things that come up during that time off. That customer is not going to wait to buy no. because you want it to go to Mexico. For yeah, the your moment's going to pass you by. They're <laughs> oh, going to go right. to somebody else. It doesn't that's matter right. that it's not fair. So that's right. That's right. That's um, and and that's, that's the, way, the it way it is. Yeah, it's Business just and I, and I always tell that story because I want people to understand there is a sacrifice, but also that my dad said, my dad who lost a daughter. Right. And when I left, lost a wife. Right. And he always said to me, go, hmm. we're good. You were here for what mattered. You're, you know, you're here for what matters. Go. Um, and that understanding, my husband's the same way. My kids are the same way. That understanding that what you're doing is not just for the betterment of you, yeah. for the betterment of your team, for the betterment of your family and making sure you're honestly communicating that that's what matters. And, and I will tell you, and I've had this conversation with a lot of women, so I'm glad to also be having it with Bruce too. Um, <laughs> you'll be asked to make those same sacrifices even further down the line. So isn't it better to be making those sacrifices further up the line? So I've met teachers and bank tellers and, you know, that have had to sacrifice holidays, people that work at hotels, right? Not having Thanksgiving with their families for years and years. Anybody who works is going to make some sacrifice. So aren't you better off to make the sacrifice that's more rewarding for you and your family and try to get further up? That's so good. Um, Michael, before we, I know we're running out of time. We got to get to the Star Wars stuff because I yes. want to hear about we that. I want to hear that Star Wars story. <laughs> and, and, and Janet, I, I got to work this in because last, uh, last week's topic was social selling do's and mostly don'ts. And I, I am so passionate about hating. Uh, the LinkedIn connection Hating. request. <laughs> hey, it's a strong word, Hating. but it's, it's, it's relevant. The LinkedIn connection request that either says, hi, how are you doing? Nothing else. Or yes. the connection request that, um, hi, I'd like to join your network. I press accept. And then within nanoseconds, I get 17 paragraphs in a PDF saying, buy this about the organization. from me. Yeah. yeah. Buy this from me. Yes. Happy birthday. How are you? How's your family? Hey, by the way, did you see this PDF about my company? Um, (laughs) 
That's what you do. You teach social selling. So I, so that's part of what I do. I have a whole that? team that does that. I do channel consulting and I have a team that does social selling. I do occasionally also teach it. I'm a big believer of it, but here's the thing. What you just described isn't social selling. What you just described is, is the same equivalent of the guy who calls you to renew your car warranty. Oh, we've yes. all received 9,000 of those calls. It's just spam. If you're good at social selling, you're posting content that people think is relevant, that they want to follow you. They want to hear more about what you have to say. You have a brand that people are saying, wow, that's really interesting. And you do a great job making real connections. So if I connect with Bruce today and then I say, you know who Bruce would really like? Chris Palermo from GCN. I don't know if they know each other, but man, I feel like they really like each other. I'm going to connect them. So you connect them, right? And then they, oh, wow, we really enjoyed that. So when the time comes when Bruce says, you know, maybe there is something to this social selling. Maybe I should ask somebody to come in and talk to the sales team. You're going to go, you know who it should be? Janet, right? So I really believe if you're a good social seller, it comes to you. You don't go to it. Amen. And and you keep that brand out there. And that's what we teach people. It's that consistency of establishing a brand, a story, a reputation, helping other people, making the connections. You do not have permission to sell somebody just because you made a connection with them on LinkedIn. Right. You got to gain permission to sell. And if you're good at it, right, if you get really good at it, and I would argue I'm probably pretty good at it. If you get good at it, you're getting leads. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going after people. And that's, you know, less than 6% of the people on LinkedIn are good at it. Well, think that's about the thing. like you, if you walked into a room after a channel partners, uh, you walk into the, the AT&T mix or the telesystem mixer at the end, at the, uh, at, I'm going at to the that event. one. Yeah, You're I'm going, going to, to that one. one. You're not going to go up to somebody that you've never met before and say, Hey, I hope you and your family are staying safe. Here's a, here's a piece of literature. Here's my literature. <laughs> yeah. No, you have a conversation. You get to know them. They go, what do you do? You go, what do you do? And then they go, Oh my God, I didn't know you did that. Let me ask you something. Could you do this? So I think people just thought that, um, and in their defense, in our industry, there's a whole lot of people that never had a prom date. So they're not good as it is on social interaction, right? And now they got a screen between them, right? So now all their geekiness comes pouring out, all their awkwardness. They're like, eh, I'm going to do it. Um, and so the, I just think that's, you know, that's where you see badness happening. When you see goodness happening, I mean, we see with our social selling program right now, our return on investment is 51x. Wow. That's insane. Yeah, that's insane. So, so done right. It's great done badly. It's the stuff that you laugh about at cocktail hours. Right. So. All right. Geekiness. That's um, my take. Geekiness aside. Transition from geekiness. I got my geeky behind me with my pro wrestling stuff that people have heard a zillion times. Tell us about the star Wars uh, before we we jump out of here. Yeah. So, and by the way, for those looking, um, I will have this whole thing full. I just got this cabinet in. I got to get all my stuff out of storage. That says something about me. Um, but I grew up loving sci-fi. I thought it was just the coolest thing in the world. And in fact, I used to run around the backyard with this little thing on my, um, uh, you know, as a little kid with this little uh, paper towel holder wrapped in foil, bent in half, like communicator. <laughs> and and my mom used to be like, that's never going to happen. You need to stop. So when I joined Verizon, my whole family was the funniest thing. Like everybody mailed her paper towel rolls, like wrapped up in Verizon, in, in uh in aluminum foil like you know it was just funny right because she always was like that's never gonna happen oh it happened um and so so I just from an early time it was an escape for me 
it was it was a way to think differently about the world. Good always wins over evil, um, and it's fun and it's cool and it, you know it just was an escape. And as a kid, you know, who didn't have as much as a lot of other people around me, it, it was it was an amazing escape. And and my folks used to take me to see it in the movies, and I would save up or they would save up for me to get that latest greatest toy. And so as an adult. I get just a sheer delight in being able to buy what my husband calls toys, but we know are collectibles because they, <laughs> they increase in value. They're not toys, they're collectibles. Um, and so I typically will buy um, a piece whenever I'm celebrating some kind of a milestone. Awesome. So it's also motivation for me because I'll say, okay, you know, speak at this event and you're one of the top five speakers and you can buy the Star Wars plate from 1973. You know, and so I'll, I'll kind of incent myself because um, I don't really love to public speak. People think I do. I don't really love that. You do it all um, the time. You think that's like your side job. Uh, no, you get like, <laughs> I still get a stomach ache. Um, and so, you know, that, that kind of is my little award for myself um, for doing what I need to do. Look at that. Awesome. That's a fun fact. It's so, you know, similar to pro wrestling, yeah. good wins over evil unless evil comes and hits them with a chair. That's right. That's right. Um, well, yeah. Okay. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Janet. Awesome. Awesome. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you. Thank awesome. you for having me. Love what you guys are doing. Um, and thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Th awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, queen. We appreciate you. <laughs> right yeah. back at you, princess. <laughs> All right. Janet shines. Uh, Janet, tell everybody how to get in touch with you before we go to a break. Sure. Uh, easiest way, uh, Twitter, I'm channel smart, uh, or you can look for me on LinkedIn, Janet Shines. Awesome. Janet, thanks so much. And for everybody else, we'll be back on the other side after you listen to this 30-second commercial, Compliments of Telesystem. In a world where businesses are striving to adapt, connect, and evolve, we're here to bring you more. More freedom to work how and where you want while keeping employees connected, productive, and engaged more flexibility to customize solutions to tailor a simple, more agile network, and more security for an evolving cyber landscape. With around-the-clock access to hands-on technical support, it's time to explore more. Welcome back, Next Generation Leadership. Bruce Wart, Michael Rosales Peterson, and what a fantastic oh conversation with Janet Shines. That, it you was know, I'm getting so comfortable with this podcast that my um, my energy level has, it was like very down to business on yeah. one. And then now it's like not quite my pro wrestling person. No, no, no. It's so good. I mean, I loved everything that she said, talking about, you know, her career, her being a mom in business. I think so many people are going to gain so much value. I know I did. I'm going to take a few of the things that she has given us and apply it to my life. She's so well, awesome. I love her. You hear, I hope that people that have listened for a few weeks are getting the common themes of, of um, you know, passion and perseverance, especially grit. liability. Yep, grit. Um, there's a lot of common themes that are happening through these shows and you're getting different perspectives from people that live it. So right. tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your cousins, tell your brothers tell and anybody sisters, to, to parents. Listen. Yeah, anybody. Yeah. Even if they're retired, find a better way to get retired. We can bring it to you right here. Yeah, right here. that's so good. I love, I mean, from all the guests that we've had so far, you see the common theme, right? Of where they end up, where they, where they are. 
And um, it's so interesting being here on this end, watching it and, and hearing it. It's, it's very therapeutic just to hear those stories. And I hope that other people get that opportunity to absorb it and, and follow along with us. And here's follow the check. our journey. You have to let me know, um, have I ever worn this outfit before? Because my wife has told me many <laughs> times that uh, I need to make sure that I never wear the same thing twice when I'm at least twice in a row. Because that's not good. People think I'm. You know I'm what? Maybe you just stuff. need to go shopping. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I guess that's a no. <laughs> no, I, I I have a lot of variety. I just um I, I have my favorites. I like quarter yeah. zips in the winter, and I only have like seven of them or eight of them. So um yeah. and, and sometimes you know there's only so many colors, so you pick yeah. colors and whatever. Anyway, I think uh, your wife pays attention because she's your wife. You know, wives are always like nitpicking everything. And she's an audible reader, by the way, super gal verse God. If you're writing a book and you need it to be recorded and placed on audible, check so out it up. Amanda Wirt on LinkedIn. She can do that for you. She's uh, she's awesome. So she is great. Um, and she's my personal uh, wardrobe uh, person. Love it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's get out of here. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite audio platform, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, whatever. And whatever uh, it is, subscribe uh, to the video. Uh, go to the Telesystem channel. If uh, if you're a competitor and it hurts to subscribe to Telesystem and you don't want to see the other stuff, then just subscribe to audio. We'll get it to you. Yeah. So, for Micah Rosales Peterson, I'm Bruce Wirt. Micah, have a good week. Have a good one. And right. see you guys next week. Bye, everybody.